Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts, and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hey, Terry, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Bridge? Glad to be here. We've got some important stuff to talk about today. Because childhood is supposed to be a happy, carefree time. And for many, it is. But according to the Association for Psychological Science... For more than one million children in the United States alone, this period is marred by trauma. Today we're going to hear one family's story of early childhood depression. According to NIMH, or the National Institute of Mental Health, 1-2% to of prepubescent children in the U.S. meet the criteria for depression. It sounds like a small number, unless, of course, that child is yours. The other day, while checking mental health posts on Twitter, we read this. I sit here watching my amazing son write how terrible he feels and that he doesn't know why, how he hates his dumbass depression and feeling this way. Childhood depression is real. Our struggles are greater than many know. That was written by Susie, Nicholas's mother. Today, they both join us on Giving Voice to Depression. It can be hard enough to get people to understand and believe our experience of depression as credible adults. When you're a little kid, well... I mean, with friends, with uh, schools, teachers, they're like, they're they're kids. Mm -hmm. He can't have anxiety when he's six years old. He can't have depression and want to die when he's nine. He must have heard that somewhere. He must... It's just, it's, to me, it's a lack of education, obviously. And Susie's quick to admit that lack affected her, too. I've always tried to think that I'm an open person and, you know, I I can accept things. But before we went through this experience, I never understood that. I would have never thought a child that has a family and parents that are together and financially secure and lots of love in his life and lots of things he wants and we do things and he plays sports how could that child be depressed? And it's not about all that. If it was about just love your child, the depression will go away. He would never have had a depression in the first place. We hear a lot about bullying and the link between childhood trauma and depression. Nicholas's story is a heartbreaking example of both. Then it all came to a head when we went in for a school interview and he was sitting in the hall and the principal walked down and he went into a fetal position and rocked back and forth and said, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want to tell you. And then he started to let things out um, because he came home and he was, I'm going to cry, sorry. Oh, I might. He was eight years old and he said he wanted to die. (sighs) So that's when we took him to the hospital because we knew that was something that an eight-year-old wouldn't even know about. Eight. He still had some baby teeth, for God's sake. And he was terrified of and by his school principal. 
Nick, do you remember that day, being in the hall with your principal during the teacher conference? Yes, I do. Tell me about it. So, I was, my mom and dad were meeting with the, my teacher, and I started walking down, and I got scared, and I was worried that she was going to make me go to her office, because she made me go to her office before, and... She made me write in this book all bad things about what I did and what I've done and how I could change it or something. She would make me write in the book and say, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And she kept playing like that card, like Catholic card. And that really made me have less faith in God and all that. And but my principal also kept telling me that my mom wanted to do this, told her to do this and that my mom knew all of this and that. And we always had a super close relationship, him and I, um, because I was told I could never have children. So he was my absolute miracle. Mm. And once we came to find out that because these messages were put into his head that I was telling her to do this, he was conflicted. And and I think that was another reason why he didn't want to live. And and again, we don't think it's a Catholic school thing. We don't think it's a principal thing. It's an individual thing. This was her issue, right. not not you know, we don't look at it widespread. Good point. His parents pulled him from that school, pursued charges against the principal, all the things you'd expect. But the focus here is how that experience affected a little boy. And so he was formally diagnosed at nine just before he turned 10 with major depressive disorder to PTSD-like symptoms, uh, OCD and anxiety. My appetite turned that it was getting down and I was not wanting to eat and I was just like feeling like crap and all that. Uh, that's when the whole getting knives and putting them to himself and that all started. Has that all stopped? Um, most part, yeah. For the most part, but it still happens. So, Nick, you are thankfully and obviously still here with us. What's changed? Um, I think a big part is that I'm not in the school with the principal and that I have been getting help for three plus years, and it's helping. I'm not 100% yet, but I'm way better than I was when I was like 8, 9, 10. You know, Nick's not just depression. It It's a 24-7 thing. It's a minute-by-minute thing in our life at times. But there's so many amazing things about him. And he is the most caring, sensitive, like he is, he's just a wonderful person. It's not perfect, obviously. No, none no. of us is. I hate that he has the depression, but I would never take away anything else about him. Nick, I think you are very brave for talking to me. Is this the first time you've spoken? I'm going to use the word publicly, even though you're in your house. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm honored you trust me. Tell me why you wanted to talk. What motivated you to share your story today? I don't want other kids to go through what I went through. 
like I have a best friend who's not going through the same thing, but he's going through a hard time. And I understand what he feels. And I don't want other kids to go through that because it's so hard, especially at a young age. So, Nick, I'd like to ask you two questions. The first about kids and then about adults. What do you think other kids need to understand about childhood depression? That um, everything you say doesn't matter if, like, it might not affect you. It might affect somebody, and they could be going through similar stuff as I am or I was, and never know. You just have to be careful with your words and what you say. And what about adults, particularly parents? What do we need to know? They need to understand more, I think, and, like, not just if your kid doesn't want to go to school. It's not just because they don't want to go to work or uh, do work or something. It's that they might have something going on that's really difficult and just try to understand more and like like you never know what can happen at school you think it you think it's a safe environment you never know like with the principal bullying me you never know that that would even happen if you you wouldn't think that that would happen we were trusting an adult in an authority position mm-hmm. as to really listening to our child. And I think that this is the big thing that we've learned through it all is kids are people. Age is really irrelevant. Um, lots of times people want to dismiss things. Oh, they're being bratty or, oh, they're acting out or, oh, that's their age. But you have to really take the time to listen to them, not to try to fix them, just listen. And that's a mistake I think that we made for a number of years. We wanted to fix all his problems and didn't really listen to what he was really going through, if that makes sense. It's well documented that adverse childhood experiences or ACEs are not something kids survive unscathed. They cause multiple literal changes in the central nervous system that result in physiological and behavioral changes. Thanks to Oprah and a recent 60 Minutes episode, ACEs are finally getting more much-deserved attention. To quote Oprah, she says, we have to change the question from what did you do to what happened to you? A hundred percent. hundred, and that's what I said before, is we have always raised him to be accountable. Um, we were never the parents, like if he came home and said, oh, this kid did this to me, blah, blah, blah. We we're like, okay, hold on a second. How did it all start? What was your part in it? We're not the parents to go, your kid did this and my kid's perfect. We were the opposite. And like I said, I think that in being that way, we missed a lot. Not intentionally, but that's one thing that I would do very, very differently if if I could go back. Like in my experience, most of these kids that come out in teen, adolescence, teenagers, and that there have been signs since they were younger. 
that they're going to struggle. And it's not a parent's fault. It's so hard. It's so emotional. It's so confusing. But you have to, have to, have to just feel secure to say, hey, my child, there's something wrong here. And I'm his advocate. And I'm going to do what needs to be done to make sure. And you know what? If you go to the doctor and the doctor says, it's fine, it's just a regular anxiety, that's great. But if you go to the doctor and it's something else, then you get you take care of it. Susie, I'm looking at an article called The Secret Life of Mothering Children with Mental Illness, and you reminded me of a line in it. I've come to understand that being a good parent does not mean your child will not suffer. Being a good parent means if your child is suffering, you'll address it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. <laughs> like that. That right there just is, I mean, I'm going to probably now put it on a sign and hang it in my house. <laughs> Before we end our call, Nick, I want to congratulate you. You had a really traumatic experience. And because you told your parents and because they listened and believed you and because you had good doctors, I mean, I'm in my 50s and I'm still trying to figure out things you know. So bravo. And know that there will be kids who listen to this episode. There will be teachers and parents who hear your story. And I can guarantee you, you're going to open some eyes and make a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, the love is so palpable between Susie and Nicholas. I love that. Mm-hmm. She's really his advocate. And it, that reminder of their kids, but their people too, you know, to really listen and be attuned and sensitive to what's going on and the changes in their behavior and not try to fix all the problems. And she made the point that if you go to a doctor and he says, you know, it's fine, it's just regular, that that's great. But we talked later and I said, but if a doctor says that and you still don't believe it, you know something is wrong, that you, you go see a second one, you get a second opinion. So that works both ways. You, you can be reassured that it's nothing more than normal. Um, but if you don't believe that, I, you know, don't believe it. Exactly. Or even a third doctor, if that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Nicholas. I want to say what you just said. Everything you say, even if it doesn't affect you, might affect somebody else. And to be careful with your words. That might be something I write down and hang in my house. Thank you, Nicholas. <laughs> we'll all have signs from this episode. My house that you're going to be at for two weeks pretty soon, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. See you soon, Bridge. Bye, Terry. We hope that these shared stories bring out a little more understanding or help people articulate their experiences of depression a little more clearly or more freely. Thanks to all, everyone who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. You can find all the other episodes, some resources, and a blog on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And you can find the podcast most of the other places that you find podcasts. Just Google it, as our mom says. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up. Listen up.